This episode of The Morning Skate is brought to you by Let the Kids Play Fund. Let the Kids Play is a nonprofit organization that raises money for kids in need to help play hockey and afford equipment. We all know season fees can run thousands of dollars, let alone $200, six and $700 skates. Let the Kids Play wants to help families who are struggling get their kids on the ice worry-free. Founded by two brothers who were raised by a single mother, they saw how rough it could be for their mom to afford hockey fees and dues. Some families try their best but still can't cough up thousands of dollars every year for fees and gear. That's why they started their own charity, with a pretty cool purpose, to get the kids on the ice who wouldn't be able to play otherwise. You can head on over to LetTheKidsPlayFun.com, where they will have an online store selling apparel and accepting donations. 100% of the proceeds go to the kids. That's right, 100% of it. They don't make a single penny from this. So for more information on the fun, upcoming events like their charity hockey tournament, and so much more, visit LetTheKidsPlayFun.com. That's LetTheKidsPlayFun.com. You'll lose 11 seconds. You've got 10 seconds. The countdown going on right now. Morrow up to show. Five seconds left in the game. Do you believe in miracles? Yes! Sunday, March 4th. Welcome back to the Morning Skate. We got a big episode ahead for you. We got Hal's in the building and Barstool Jordy's back, round two. Uh, we figured we'd bring him in. Big hockey guy. Had a bunch of shit happen this week with the deadline and stuff like that. How's it going, fellas? Yeah, really appreciate you guys bringing me back here. Uh, starting to starting to feel like home with you boys here. So it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's a wonderful feeling. Oh, yeah. B- big time. We, we feel the exact same way. Um, we have a busy show ahead, so we're just going to jump right into it. Uh, NHL in the news. Play the music. Go. And we're back. Okay, NHL in the news. We're going to start it off. We're just going to go hop right into the trade deadline. Um, last week, Hal and I talked about the trades that kind of happened on Saturday. So this is going to be like a Sunday-only rendition of the trade deadline. Uh, first off, McDonough and JT Miller go to the Lightning for Nemestikov, Howden, uh, Hayek, a first-round pick, and a conditional first-round pick for next year. Um, as a Rangers fan, like I knew McDonough had to go just because, I mean, they're full rebuild finally. And he's going to get paid next year. Uh, it just, you know, you want as many picks as you can get. They threw JT Miller in there. So I think it was more of a JT Miller to Mestikov was kind of like an easy, even deal. And then the rest were just for McDonough. Um, the has been fucking tearing it up. They think that Hayek kid's sick. I wish they got a little bit more for McDonough, but I, I mean, I don't know. What, what do you guys have on that? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, the Rangers had to do it. I think everyone knew the Rangers had to trade McDonough. Um, Overall, I think you're right, dude. I mean, like, I, I told Ranger fans, or I told you specifically, I think to temper your expectations a little bit. Like, there was talk about, like, Sergachev or Point, and, like, realistically, McDonough's a great player, but, like, why would the Lightning give up one of those two at the trade deadline? They got the other Russian, who you seem to be happy with, so that's good. The only point of contention I have is I feel like, and I understand why they did it, but I feel like trading JT Miller as a separate asset, maybe they get more of a return. But, I mean, other than that, as a Rangers fan, I think it's a fair trade. And, I mean, the Lightning are stacked, so. Jordy, what do you got? Yeah, yeah I mean, I, like, 
Again, it's similar. Like I, I don't think that Steve Eisman was looking to give up uh, Sergachev at all. I don't think he was looking to give up Braden Point. Uh, we've seen that that Stevie Y has, uh, you know, he definitely slings around some big balls down there in Tampa when it comes to managing that team. Uh, I actually like I was a little bit surprised that you know I, I know that you guys think that McDonough and JT Miller deserve a little bit of a bigger haul, which you know maybe they do, but I was still surprised that he gave up Nemestikov with how well that he's been, you know, playing with guys like Stamkos and, and Kucherov. It's kind of weird to, like, break up, you know, such, like, a great line at, like, this point of the year. Uh, but, you know, I thought that that was maybe going to hurt the Lightning offensively. Uh, and then they went up and put seven goals up against my Flyers the other day. So, like, obviously they're not missing them that much. Um, it, it's It's got to be tough for Rangers fans, uh, you know, seeing, like, the team get blown up like that. Um, but it's, you know, like, like you guys said, it's, it's a move that needed to be done. Probably could have got a little bit more in return from a, maybe a different team who isn't trying to be so stingy heading into the playoffs. Uh, but dude, the, the lightning, that weird relationship that the Rangers yeah. have with the lightning, it's like where the Rangers keep getting fucked in the ass on like trade deadline deals. I mean, you could probably get an entire line of yeah. current Lightning players who came straight from New York. So it's definitely like this weird, incestuous thing that you two teams have together. But yeah, I guess the Bolts have kind of been uh, <laughs> bending you guys over a little bit over the last few years. Yeah, it hasn't, hasn't really been that great. Um, I think the funniest takeaway from this is the fact that like McDonough played with Girardi for all those years and Rangers fans were like so sick and tired of Dan Girardi being on the first pair. Now they're probably going to be a Tampa Bay second pair. And I mean... Lightning probably cup favorites right now just because of that deal. So uh, good for them. And, I mean, I hope they win the cup because that conditional uh, first-round picks, if they win the cup, we get a first next year's draft. So go Lightning. Uh, mo- uh, moving on, where Evander Kane goes to the Sharks. Didn't really get much back for him. I think, what was it, like a, condi- a conditional second-round pick that could turn into a first round or something along those lines? Um, I think this had a lot to do with the whole, oh, he may not be the best locker room guy and, I think Hal and I have talked about this before. I think it's 100% that Vander Kane's probably going to go to Vegas once he's a free agent. He lives there. He, he lives that type of lifestyle. Um, still a really great player, though, and, and the Sharks have always been deep, so this definitely helps him out. What do you guys have with Vander Kane going to San Jose? Yeah, I think, I think like the return, we talked about this before, too, with the return. It comes back to Sabres being idiots with their assets. They're asking the world. And then they took him off Eichel's line and his production dipped, like, big surprise. I mean, I know Eichel ended up getting injured anyway, but you keep him there, you think maybe keeps going on that pace of, like, I don't know, he was on fire at the beginning of the year, you think maybe he gets a bigger return. It's weird because, like, to me, the San Jose Sharks, like, are kind of irrelevant. They probably really shouldn't be realistically. I mean, they're sitting pretty well. I think they're, like, second in their division right now. Do I really think the San Jose Sharks are going to make a run this year? No. I, I think there's a lot of teams in the West that are better than them. I think Nashville Winnipeg are definitely probably favorites over them. I think uh, it looks like it's kind of setting up to be San Jose-LA in a first-round series. I think Evander Kane plays that West Coast style. So, I mean, in a sense, in a sense, I think it's a good trade. They didn't give up too much. If it doesn't work out, he's a rental. So, I mean, for the Sharks, would I want Evander Kane? I don't know, but I think it was a good trade. What do you got, Jordy? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think it was definitely, uh, I, I mean, you could sense the desperation with the Sharks on this move. Uh, you know, they, they know that, you know, they, they don't have, I mean, they have like this year left with Jumbo Joe. And then after that, you, like, you're, you're not going to hold on to them for much longer than that. Um, so, you know, it, 
do I think that Evander Kane is the best locker room guy? Absolutely not. Like we've we've seen him now have some issues with multiple teammates on multiple different teams. Um, but I mean, he's only going to be in there for a couple months. Like there, there's no chance that San Jose really is that interested in bringing him back after this playoff run. I, I don't think that there's any, you know, mutual understanding between the two of them that that would bring him back their next season. So I think he's he's only there for long enough to act like. Like you said, he's still a great player, great offensively. You're going to need that in the playoffs. And he's not going to be long enough there to really like rub people the wrong way. So as long as he's you know playing a good brand of hockey for you know 20 so games right now and then the playoffs, uh, it, it should be a great rental deal for them. Uh, but if, if he still had another year on his contract, I'd be like, ah, it's like you know, Sharks, you, you, you have like guys like – Thornton uh, like in the locker room and Burns in the locker room already. Like, why would you bring this guy in for another year? But the fact that it's just a rental, uh, kind of a, a low risk, high reward type of thing. So good on them. And yeah, I mean Buffalo. I, I don't know what the fuck who is calling the shots over there, but I feel terrible for Jack Kane, or Jack Heichel for. Uh, I mean, he he signs that big ass extension, and I just don't see how that management group there is gonna <laughs> pull the right moves to keep him there for that long no yeah i think i i agree with you there i think the sabers went out and they signed robin leonard who has a neck tattoo so they were kind of hoping for the best like maybe he'll be a nail gun in the locker room like this guy will stop some pucks that didn't work out um i think the sabers their best bet was probably to trade him before the deadline i think the whole rick nash thing really fucked them over in a, in a sense where Vander kane was the premier guy to trade and then when the rangers went out and said oh hey here's a letter we're trading everybody the sabers were like oh fuck and then they waited on the Rick Nash thing, and then it was just kind of like, okay, Evander Kane is Rick Nash's sloppy seconds, and we'll see where this goes from here. Uh, Evander Kane, real meat and potatoes, power forward type player. I think he's going to be great in a seven-game series. So I think good move by the Sharks, in my opinion, at least. Sabres, again, suck it. Um, next one, Paul Stasny went to the Winnipeg Jets. Uh I think this is a great move for the Winnipeg Jets, honestly. He's a great center. He just adds to that forward depth even more. And I think for the first time, because the Jets GM's always been kind of like a really patient, like kind of asshole. And now he's like, okay, I think I have a team good enough to win. Let's go out and get this guy, and let's see how they play. Um, Patrick Laine is going to have 40 goals this year. Blake Wheeler, probably his best year in the NHL. Mark Scheifele's sick. The Ehlers kid's really good. You have Dusty Buffs on the uh, defensive end. Tyler Myers still playing pretty good hockey. And then Helen Buck is having a hell of a year. Um, what do you guys have on the Jets? I, they're kind of – is it bad to say they're my sleeper because they're, like, so good? But, like, I don't know if they're really talked about that much. No, it's so oh. – yeah, no, go ahead. Yeah, so I had the, the Jets as one of my sleeper teams before the season started. Uh, and they didn't really, like, start off the season too hot. And, like, right off the bat I was like, ah, shit, like, was I just, like, kind of speaking out of my ass there, which <laughs> I usually do. Um <laughs> You, all the guys that you named right there, I mean, they have a solid team, a uh, ton of depth there. And, again, like you have a guy like Dustin Bufflin who is able to just kick people out of the club. That's huge coming into the playoffs when you need to play a physical style of game. He's a guy who, um, realistically, he's kind of one of those guys who every once in a while, I forget, is still in the NHL. Uh, but then he'll come out and he'll have a game where he does like, you know, he'll just like snipe top tits or something ridiculous. So it's it's great to see that he'll be, uh, you know, to play with guys like Lina and Shifley. I mean, he'll probably sit right there at the, you know, on that second line uh, and really round out their top six. The one thing that the Jets have to do 
before the playoffs start is they have to tell Patrick Laine to get rid of that Billy Goat beard. Um, it's <laughs> I, I know what he's going for, and, and usually I'd be someone who loves the look, but it is just so goddamn <laughs> atrocious. It is tough to look at every single time that this kid's doing an interview. I'm like, dude, buddy, like, go. You, you, you're a superstar. Like, Go buy yourself a pack of razors or something. Get rid of that shit. Dollar Shave um, Club. Yeah, dude. Yeah, plug Dollar Shave. Get Dollar Shave Club as a sponsor or something, dude. Yeah, that's gonna be that's gonna be like a good uh, monitoring that throughout the playoffs. If he was really letting that go, I mean, he definitely has that look of like patched pubes, like uh, kind of like super glued to his face. Not the best look, especially when you're like a young NHL superstar. Like I know there's probably not that much going on in Winnipeg. You still like want to look presentable. Uh, I, I, I totally agree with you on Stastny in the sense that I totally forget about him. I think this is a bad take by me, but, like, I don't like Paul Stastny that much. Like, I just remember whenever Paul Stastny would make, like, a U.S. Olympic team, I would think to myself, like, is U.S. really going for gold this year? Like, we have Stastny as, like, our third-line center. Like, is that really, like, going to compare to anything on Canada? He is a fine player. Is he a first-round pick at the trade deadline? Probably. I don't know. I, I think I think Winnipeg's a great team. They play well at home. They'll probably add to the depth. I mean, it's not a bad move. I, I think the biggest takeaway is that uh, St. Louis Blues players were, like, pissed that they were sellers at the deadlines. Like, you haven't done anything for a couple of months now. You're losing games left and right, and you're upset that you guys decided to be sellers. I think that was the right move uh, from the franchise's standpoint of, we're not going to win the Cup this year. Might as well let go of Stastny as $7 million. So I don't really get what's going on in St. Louis and why they're so upset. I, I think the fact that Stastny, he's not being brought in to be like that first-line guy. And I think that's like a huge thing there. You know what I mean? He's not going to be logging those huge minutes. But you have Paul Stastny out there against other teams' third line. And it's not the Olympics. The other teams' third line suck. So you have Paul Stastny out there like against other third lines. That's a, I mean, I take Paul Stastny as the third-line center on any team pretty much. It's Paul Stastny, though. I don't know. Like, I, I can't explain it. Like, statistics would probably prove that Paul Stassi is an unbelievable second-line center, third-line center. But, like, at the end of the day, do I want to go to war with Paul Stastny? I don't know. I, I really don't know if I do. I think I think Paul Stastny wins you a president's trophy. I don't know if Paul Stastny wins a cup. And, once again, I have absolutely nothing to back up what I'm saying. No, that's – that's uh, <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't disagree with that at all. Um, actually, yeah, what team is Daniel Winnick on? Do you guys know? Do you remember that fucking guy? He doesn't wear a visor. Not on. What? Yeah, I, no... I think he's on a playoff team. Whatever team Daniel Winnick is on, they're doomed. It may be the Wild. Like, you know, you said I'd never see Paul Stasny winning a cup. I'd never see Daniel Winnick winning a cup. I fucking hate that guy. So it's kind of similar right there. Like, yeah, he could be still kind of a depth guy, but that guy can go fuck himself. Um, last part, Eric Carlson. There's a lot of drama leading up to the deadline with that guy. Uh, we talked about this a little bit last week. Melnick walking in the locker room, turned down, you know, the music. You owe me $350 for an Uber ride. We didn't know what was going on there. He didn't get dealt. Um, I mean, I guess Vegas was, like, a really big team in on Carlson. That would have been kind of sick if Vegas ended up getting Carlson. And then they had their franchise player, like, eight months into being a franchise. Uh, and then I, I think the owner or the GM came out and said, like, yeah, like, if Carlson is around, we'll give him, like, the, the deal in the offseason. But it was, like, a big if. I, I don't know what Ottawa's doing. The one guy who freaked out on that video was hilarious. I think he may have single-handedly kept, like, Carlson in Ottawa. And then Carlson ended up following on Instagram. That's a huge play for that guy. Uh, 
franchise player. What do you think he's going to be with the Senators after this year? Do you think he'll be gone? What do you guys have on this? I don't think that he can be. I mean, it, like, how awkward is that, right? Like, how, like, it's it's just been out there for way too long that, you know, I and I guess you can never really like trust the reports. Like, no one's like actually like in the locker room like listening to these guys talk. But from everything, it sounds like like Carlson doesn't want to be in Ottawa anymore. Uh, it seems like they're kind of sour, and so it's just got to be like super awkward for him to like show up to work the day after the deadline, and it's like, oh fuck, like I'm still here. Um, but I mean, these, dude, these deals these days are like too goddamn hard to fit in just at the trade deadline. Like, I mean, they're they said that Vegas was you know right there to like the very end. They just couldn't get something to work for, like right before that 3 p.m. deadline. And like Vegas has the most amount of assets out yeah. of anyone on the team in terms of like draft picks and shit like that. And if not even they could like work out a deal like midseason to pick him up, then like who the hell else can? Um, the one thing that was really scaring me during the day of the of the deadline is that some some little bastard put out a report that the Caps were now starting to talk about Carlson. And if they brought in Eric Carlson, I still think that the Caps, uh, they're a shit show organization and they'll never get it out of the second round. But I would be a little bit worried about it if Eric Carlson was there. Um, you know, I, I think that they'd, they'd have to get rid of, you know, American Carlson with a C for Carlson. So it wouldn't be like they'd be like that loaded at the blue line. But I think, uh, you know, having a guy like Eric Carlson on the same team as Ovechkin is, I don't think anyone actually wants to play against that. I, I agree with that. Here's my hot take. Um, the Washington Capitals make the Stanley Cup for the first time this year. I think the fact that nobody's really talking about them right now, you think about it, everybody's talking about Pittsburgh, everybody's talking about Boston, everybody's talking about the Lightning. This is the first year in a really long time people aren't talking about the Capitals like really being there. Maybe that pressure kind of is relieved in that locker room a little bit. I'm not saying they're winning the Cup. There's not a shot they won the Cup. But I think this may be the year they make the Cup Final. That's my hot take. You guys can shit on that all you want. But, I, I you know, stranger things have happened. How long? All right. The other night I was watching, like, NHL Network. I saw that Nick Backstrom, like, Geico commercial where he shoots, like, 10 pucks in 10 seconds. That has literally been on TV for, like, seven years now. Yeah. And it's the worst commercial ever. Like, there is no skill needed in that. Like, is like is, I understand Backstrom's a sick hockey player. But, like, sick. You, like, shot a couple pucks. Like, maybe if they get Carlson, they can revamp that commercial and do something a little different for me because I can't watch that one more time. I'll yeah. lose my mind. Yeah, now they have Holpe, like, pretending to be a lifeguard. Have you seen the Holpe Geico commercials now? No, I, I can't. The Capital Geico commercials is, like, one of the weirdest advertising, like, campaigns I've ever seen. No. Um, I don't know, though. Like, looking at Carlson, I think Jordy said it pretty well. Like, it's a tough position because as a as a Senators fan, like, you love this guy, and it's like, we can't trade him, but it's soured now. Everyone knows it. You kind of have to trade the guy in a sense. And because everybody knows what's going on there, like, I don't think you're going to get fair value for him, like, uh, Jordy was right. Vegas has so many assets, and they couldn't get the trade done. Like in any world, either, are the Senators going to get fair like value in return for whatever they trade Eric Carlson for? Like, if I was trading Eric Carlson, I would want like all your first round picks and all your best prospects. Like for the next ten me, years, like <laughs> that is that is a franchise altering player that like you would need to move quite a bit of assets to to obtain. I just don't think, however this turns out, Senator fans are going to be happy. Like the shit show will just continue. <laughs> quick, uh, quick prediction here. Uh, the Senators will trade Carlson this summer, like so after after the season's over, 
and then they will use like whatever assets they get from the Carlson deal to then move up to the first overall pick, and they'll pick up Rasmus Dahlin, and they'll just re- basically replace Carlson with a younger version of Carlson. And just start all over again. That would be that would be perfect because you're literally doing all of that to just move back like ten years to where you were like ten years ago. I, mean, I, I hope they do that, and and realistically, they could get the pieces to do that. I mean, that that is an interesting take for sure. Where do you think? Where do you think in the off season the best landing spot for Eric Carlson would be? Um, shit, man. Vegas has, I mean, a bunch of shit that they can move to get him. Uh. You never count the Pittsburgh fucking Penguins out, dude. They get anybody like their salary caps like two hundred million dollars, and they just do whatever the fuck they want. And like, so if he goes to the Pens, I want to be. I would. I'd probably kill myself. Probably wouldn't be surprised though. Uh, I, I mean, I don't know. I have no idea. Where, Jordy, where do you think? Other, other than uh, well, wherever you said. Uh, I mean, I would love to see. I I just I keep thinking of you know, Carlson has like the most beautiful hair in the NHL. Uh, and then a guy like Brent Burns, who has the most beautiful beard in the NHL, and if somehow those two were able to be on the same blue line together, um, I, I, I think that you know, I, I think that that would work out. I think I think we'll probably see Eric Carlson if he doesn't go to free agency. So if he gets traded this summer, like I think it has to be to somewhere out west. Um, you know, I, I don't I don't think that the that the Senators are like that like naive to like keep them around in you know especially not the atlantic and probably not the east so i mean somewhere out west um who knows i mean maybe um you know maybe maybe the kings are kind of starting to think that you know maybe they're not going to be able to hold on to to dowdy in in free agency and maybe uh maybe they do a little wife swap there i can see i can see carlson being a big la boy like i feel like he would eat it up in los angeles so i i wouldn't be shocked if he went there um all right, moving on from the trade deadline. Stan Fisher retired. We all talked about this before the podcast started. We don't really know much about him. I just hate him, so I just wanted to let everybody know I don't give a shit that Stan Fisher retired. Like, see you later. Good riddance. Bye. Anything on you guys? Yeah, I just wanted to say Stan Fischler, like, I don't know what he does. All I know is, like, every single game on MSG, doesn't matter if it's, like, Islanders, Devils, Rangers. Like, at some point, it seems like Stan Fischler's talking during the intermission, and I'm taking a nap, so, like... <laughs> The guy has been there, and I guess he saw his first hockey game. I saw this. He saw his first hockey game in 1939. Like, this dude clearly loves hockey, so respect to that. But, like, I never really saw the appeal of him. He's just an old man who, like, writes books and, like, talks slow. Yeah, I mean, uh, Stan Fischler, the the broadcasting that he did, I never really listened to it. But the fact that he was doing it, I respect that. Okay. Well, I hate him. So, moving on. Uh, Taylor Hall. Is he going to win the MVP this year? Uh, 29 goals, 41 assists, 70 points. He has a 24-game point streak, which is cut short because he was out a couple games, which was fucking stupid. And New Jersey are fourth in the Metro looking at the playoffs. MVP-wise, do you think Taylor Hall's got what it takes? My guy uh, so far, and I, first off, it fucking kills me as a as a Flyers fan to see Taylor Hall having the season that he's on. Uh, so, I mean, 24-game point streak. It's good to see some of those uh, coming in a loss, though. I, I love when people start counting individual, uh, you know, achievements more than team achievements. So that, that just shows me what a, you know, a shit show uh, fan base the Devils have become in, in their one year of relevancy in the last few. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, but I, I still think that my guy for for the heart is going to be Nathan McKinnon, especially if he can get the Avalanche into the playoffs. Um, 
I mean, a team who came and probably like one of the worst teams in NHL history last year. They finally get rid of Duchesne. That whole locker room can kind of hit the reset button. And the year that that McKinnon's been having is just like he's a guy like Taylor Hall has always been pretty fun to watch. He's, you know, a, a great level talent. But Nathan McKinnon's probably been the guy so far this season who every time the puck is on a stick, like you're like, oh, shit, like something's about to happen here. Um, so, I mean, Taylor Hall, he's, he's earned himself the right to be in that conversation for the heart. Uh, but I, I still think that my guy is, especially if he gets the abs into the playoffs, would be Nathan McKinnon. Yeah, I think that's pretty fair. I think McKinnon's had a really good season. I think I, I saw somewhere, and I can't find it. I was just trying to look it up. Uh, it came out, like, right now. Like, they did some, like, oh, who's going to win the heart? And I forget who voted on it. Both, like, Kucherov had, was, like, in first, and Bergeron was in second. I like Kucherov. He's an unbelievable player. Like, he's broken out as a superstar. I mean, he's on the best team in the NHL. Like, I think that has to go somewhat into – you have to, like, take that for what it is. Like, obviously, he is the best player on the best team in the NHL. But at the same time, he's got Stamkos, Hedman, Vasilevsky's unbelievable. I mean, there's so many pieces there. Bergeron, I'm a Bruins fan. love Bergeron. I don't think he deserves to win the heart. I mean, he's done so much for this team. He's probably had maybe his best season ever. But, I mean, at the same time, like, he has that depth, too. Like, Marshan is on his line, and Marshan's producing when he's not. I think it comes down to Hall and McKinnon, just in the sense that those are really two guys that just drive their teams. Without those two guys, neither of those teams would be in relevancy whatsoever. Neither would be making a run. Um, I'm all in on Taylor Hall, I think, actually winning the award. Uh, I don't like Devil fans either. Like, Devil fans are the worst, just because, especially growing up in New York, like, there were so many Devil fans as kids, like, growing up in the 90s, and they all loved it. Devil fans are the loudest when they're winning, and their rink is empty when they're losing. Like, they're, Devil fans are arguably the worst. Like, I love that Seinfeld clip with the guy who painted <laughs> his face. Like, that just sums up Funny. the fans. It's just gross. Like, I hate their jerseys. I hate that they're the Devils. I hate they're in New Jersey. Like, I can't get over the Devils, but Taylor Hall has had a great season. I mean, 24-game point streak, you can't really ignore that. And it's the right time of year, too, to be doing that. So if Taylor Hall won the MVP, I'd be happy. If Nathan McKinnon won the MVP, I'd be happy, too. I hope Taylor Hall wins the MVP and the Devils miss the playoffs so Taylor Hall still hasn't played in the playoffs. I would love that. Um, I don't think It's a possibility. Uh, talk about this really quick. The Leafs-Caps outdoor game. Just wanted to get some thoughts on the Leafs jerseys. Uh, it was an outdoor game, so the ice didn't look like normal ice that you would normally see. The fact that their jerseys were whiter than the ice was was kind of alarming. Didn't really like the white shells. The jerseys were sick, but I think if they wore the blue shells, it would have looked way better. What do you guys have on that? So, I, uh, like, game, it didn't look quite as great as I thought it was. I mean, as far as, like, the uniforms go, and like, the uniforms on their own, I think, are incredibly sexy uh i've i've been on the uh on the white gloves train for a while like uh, a lot of people have been giving me shit over the last few years They're like ah oh, you know it's a, it's a huge roller hockey move like you can't be wearing white gloves it's a duster move yada 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 dude i think that white mitts with with the right uniforms really makes everything pop um so i mean the the, the coke boys were looking good at least you know with their uniforms last night they didn't exactly look great during the game uh but so I, I'm I'm always in on on you know all white everything. Uh, you know, obviously some people think that it's you know a roller hockey move, and they kind of did look a little bit roller hockey with you know especially with the white shells like you mentioned. 
But anytime that someone breaks out white gloves during any sort of NHL event, whether it's just an all-star game or a stadium series game, you can count me in because they're fighting the good fight. <laughs> I think I think one thing that I've noticed is the hypocrisy behind the white gloves. Just because there are so many people that trash uh, Vegas's jerseys but love ta- or Toronto's jerseys, like it, you can't go both ways on that. You're either all in on the white or you're all out. I'm kind of indifferent on it. I mean, like, uh, it's a stadium series game. The jerseys looked all right. I mean, it's kind of a weird move. I don't know if I don't know how much I liked them. The only reason I don't know if I liked them that much is just because, and this is probably such a stupid like old time hockey thing, is it's the Toronto Maple Leafs. Like they have like one of the most classic, iconic jerseys of all time. Like they could just wear the same exact exact jerseys, and I think it'd be like, oh, cool, it's the Stadium Series, and the Maple Leafs are in it. Um, so I. I'm kind of indifferent on the jerseys. I do want to say, I guess there's like some controversy going on that. So the game got moved from NBC to NBCSN, like with like four minutes left in the game. And I guess NBC stating that they have some type of law or like thing in the contract where like games can't go past 11 o'clock. But like at the end of the day, like I'm getting kind of sick of like the NHL and the NBC going back and forth. Like, are we really like, we just asked for this one game at the beginning of March and, like, you're cutting it short for SNL. Like, I don't know. I'm kind of sick of it. Yeah. I didn't really know the game was even, like, happening until I looked at Twitter and everybody was talking about it, so I turned it on. Um, I'm good with the Leafs wearing the white gloves because Mitch Marner's sick. Like, William Nylander's sick. Like, if you're good, you can pull off white gloves, right? I think the biggest thing growing up is there were always those, like, dickheads that were, like, really bad on, like, Bantam C teams that wore white gloves and they thought they were awesome. Or, like, you play beer league and somebody has white gloves and a tinted visor and you're like, that guy fucking sucks. Which brings me to my next case. That's why I hate Vegas, because I hate Perron. With the fucking tin advisor and the white gloves, he's everything in the world that I would never want to be. So I, I hate Perron, too, and I would always be talking shit. I, I think that the tin advisor might be something to do with like concussion history. Like I, like, I've always talked shit on David Perron. I think that he plays the game like a dickhead. I, I think the tin advisor might be something to do with like concussion issues, which, like, like what? Like as as a guy who grew up like idolizing a guy like Eric Lindros, I guess I can like kind of be a little sensitive to concussion history. But like even so, it's like dude, like I I, I want to like not trip you on it, but you still like play the game like such a prick. So fuck David Perron if if that's uh yeah I'll 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 be on your side with that one. How about uh the conspiracy theory going on right now that that uh that the curling move for the puck drop was like rigged like that people are saying that they're like magnets or something that made it like the perfect curl what are your thoughts on that what are your thoughts on that puck drop too like were you in on that like do you think that's cool you think it was a lame move i thought it was kind of sick i like the the fat guy that wears the arm sleeve and the mustache like i'm on board for that guy the one thing that that really bothered me was a hashtag mirror curl on ice. Like, get the fuck out of there, dude. That's not miracle on ice. This is a couple <laughs> overweight people with arm sleeves fucking tossing a thing to center ice. Like, it's like it's sick, but like we're not beating Soviets here. Yeah, I mean, any anytime a bunch of fat dudes who just gas beers and eat pizza five nights a week can win an Olympic gold medal, I'm I'm always gonna root for those guys. So, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me to see if they uh, kind of kind of rigged up that puck drop at all, but. I'll, uh, you know, I, I think that those are all guys who I, w- I would love to be friends with, would love to hang out at, at a yeah. bar with. So I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna hate on them at all. Right? How cool would that be to walk in a bar and just see those guys and just be like, hey, so I was the curling today, and just like, and just like hear their fucking stories. 
Also, that fat guy sellied hard when that fucking thing went to center ice. I don't know if you saw it, but he threw his fucking stick down and started going like this. <laughs> it was top-notch shit. I'm on board for that. Um, Next one, we're going to skip the Islanders one because I fucking hate the Islanders. Well, let's just get get right into the Flyers. Uh, second in the Metro right now. They're 7-1-2 in their last 10. They brought in Mrazic because the goalie got hurt. Other than that, there really wasn't that much going on at the deadline with them. Jordy, you're the Flyers guy. You are You are the Flyers blogger of all time. Uh, how are you feeling about your boys right now? I think earlier in the year we were talking about it, they weren't playing too well. You were you were about to jump off the top of your uh, building. I think right now you've kind of settled down. You're now firmly inside with like the windows locked, doors locked. I think you're good. Um, they can make noise too. This is going to be the best playoffs coming up of teams just like super stack teams, but also very very good teams that could could potentially be dangerous. So, Flyers wise, how are we looking? Yeah, so basically my 9-to-5 job right now is just going through all of my old tweets from earlier in the season when I was just talking loads and loads of shit on the Flyers and just trying to delete as many of them (laughs) as possible. Um, (laughs) The way that they turned around this season uh, is, I mean, you know, I I was saying it while they were losing, and I think a lot of people were saying it too. It wasn't that they were, like, playing, like, terrible hockey by, by any means. Like, they were just finding new ways to lose every single night. Uh, you know, they were like, I mean, there was just zero confidence on that team. But, you know, so now they've been able to put some things together. They're getting a lot of help from, you know, guys like Check have been having, you know, incredible bounce back years, uh, you know, since day one. But now they're getting some of the, the younger guys like, uh, you know, like Travis Konechny and Nolan Patrick really starting to come around this season. So the fact that they're getting those guys involved. Uh, huge for them, you know, down this, you know, the last 30 or so games since like the beginning of December, since they've been on a, on a tear, uh, you know, obviously I, I think that they were just, I think that they really, and, and where they're at heading into the playoffs and didn't really want to mess up the chemistry too much by making a big splash at the deadline, bringing in Morazic was more of a, you know, a necessity move of, than anything since both Brian Elliott and Michael Neuverth went out. Uh, you know, and I think that, that Morozik is is pretty similar to guys like Brian Elliott and Michael Neuverth in the sense that none of them are necessarily goalies that you can really count on for the entire season to bring you know consistently strong goaltending between the pipes, but all of them have the ability to get hot for for a stretch of time. Um, and you know, fortunately for the Flyers right now, Morozik is, is is on that hot stretch right now. Um, you know, obviously not like the best game against Tampa the other day, but. Again, that's playing against Tampa. You're playing against guys who can light you up from pretty much anywhere in the offensive zone. So he's been, uh, you know, he's been hot. It's it's starting to look like a really good move. It'll be interesting to see who will be the odd goalie out once the playoffs come around and all three of those guys are healthy. If all three of those guys are healthy, I mean, they all have the, the potential to go down with an injury. But yeah, so I mean, the Flyers, they, you know, they they're still playing kind of the same type of game that they've been playing the whole time it's just now they're not losing those games when they had the lead you know during all of november it's been a nice turnaround and it's nice to not want to kill myself every night that they play no that's i i'm i'm like praying for a pittsburgh philly playoff series i think that would be fucking sick like and if philly could somehow win that and shut down the oh you got Derek broussard like go fuck yourself back to back stanley cup champions that would be sick and the way to beat the Penguins is just to hit them, I think. I think they're kind of soft when you really start bringing in the physicality. Um, they got rid of Ryan Reeves, so there's nobody really to babysit anymore. Uh, Phil Kessel's, you know, eating his hot dogs. Uh, Hornquist just signed a big deal. He's a, he's a great player, but he's he's somebody I fucking hate. If he was on my team, I'd love him. But um, I think if the Flyers were to play the Penguins, 
I, I don't know. I, I'd be rooting for the Flyers, definitely. Just because, remember that one series a couple years ago when it was like, Drew went out there, laid out Sidney Crosby, and then the same shift went out and scored a goal. Like, that was one of the most fun playoff series I've ever seen, like, ever. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, tw- yeah, 2013 was definitely, uh, I mean, it, it kind of sucks because, like, Flyers fans, like, that Drew shift is kind of all we really have to, like, hang on to right now. So, like, that's, like, our, like, big highlight so far. Meanwhile, the Penguins are winning back-to-back cups, but, uh Know, fuck Pittsburgh straight to hell. Um, I, but yeah, it would definitely be a great playoff series. I don't know, like, it, I don't know how many years it would take off my life because it'll probably go to seven games, and you know, who, who knows how that'll go. I mean, obviously the Penguins loaded up at the deadline, but I, I think for the sake of hockey, um, I, I mean, I, I think everybody can kind of enjoy a Flyers Penguins playoff series. I think that is great for the game. If you had to guess, like, because my one thing with the Flyers is, I mean, they're playing great. At the end of the day, it's still the Philadelphia Flyers, and you're going to look at goaltending right away, and it's going to be a narrative everyone's going to run with. Uh, Mrazic, like you said, is playing well, and I think it's going to come down to who who is hot, like you uh, like you talked about. Game one of the playoffs, who do you think is the starting goalie for the Flyers? All of them are healthy. Who do you think they put in game one? Like, Who do you think has the best chance of being hot and being that go-to guy that they look at in the playoffs? Michael Layton. <laughs> I would love to bring Clayton back real quick. I mean, he's done it before. Uh, so Dave Haxtell has a thing where if, if a goalie's hot, he'll just ride him to death. Um, so it, it does worry me a little bit that Morosic is playing so well right now and there's still close to 20 games left in the season. So, I mean, if, if they continue to just keep riding him and riding him into the playoffs, like I don't know how much he's going to have left in the tank at the end of it. Uh, but as long as he's still like not you know getting held together by like super glue, I think that he'd be the guy who who has to be starting. I, I don't think that you know necessarily. I don't think he like owes it to either Neuvirth or Elliot to give him uh, you know that that game one start if if you know they're able to keep themselves in playoff contention here. Um, you know, and then once it gets into the playoffs, yeah, obviously like Flyers fans, we just we're, we're always waiting for a goalie to let up some you know from like center ice that really just like takes all the air out of the tires um you know the good thing for the defense is they they brought in a guy like johnny oduya at the deadline it wasn't a trade they just claimed him off waivers uh obviously oduya he's he's older he's not you know it's not like we brought him in like a 2010 johnny oduya but he's a guy who you know he's he's been there before if you look at the Flyers' blue line right now, there are a couple guys on that back end. <coughs> cough, <coughs> Brandon Manning, and <coughs> cough, Andrew McDonald. Um, so it'll be, you know, it, it'll be good to see if, you know, hopefully find himself in the press box for the playoffs and just slide Johnny Oduya in there. Don't make too many mistakes and just give the goalies the best opportunity they can to have a winning game. I'm a big Johnny Oduya guy. I think the fact that he's from Sweden is like the biggest like upset in history. Like that would be the last place that you would think that guy was fucking from. But I, I mean, he's he's won some playoff games. He's a he's a good vet on the back line. That's a big pickup for you guys, I think, especially in like a seven game series where you have some younger guys on the team too that you know can go to him and you know pl- live off of his experiences and shit like that. So I think that's good for the Flyers. But, but he is a weird one too because I feel like he's been out of his prime for like ten years. Dude, he's he's Mi- he's, he's Michael Roosevelt. They're like the same I- fucking player. I've written off Aduya like a thousand times, and every year he's in a cup final or some shit. So, I mean, good on him. Is Hackstall a good coach? Is Hackstall a good coach? Because Flyers Nation, 
let's be honest, hated him. <laughs> like, like I, there's a lot of hatred for that guy, and they've turned it around. Like, does your opinion has it changed? So I, I've been putting all of the, you know, all of the, um, I don't know what the word that I'm looking, all the credit on on the players on the ice for kind of turning it around. I mean, Haxel's done a few good things. Like he, he slid Konechny up to that top line to play with uh, Couturier and Giroux, and, and that's been great. But I, I still think that, you know, he, he just doesn't evaluate and use talent well, you know, especially during the game. I mean, we got a guy like, uh, you know, Travis Sandheim right now who, you know, he's down in Lehigh Valley. And I don't know, it's it's obviously not, you know, Hextall's like sole decision to have him there. You know, obviously that's also something that Ron Hextall is involved in as well. Um, but then even like during the game, you know, he – you got guys like, you know, like Yori Letera and Dale Weiss just, you know, logging minutes, like, late in games. And it's like, dude, like, like everybody knows that they suck. Like, get them, <laughs> like, quit throwing them on the ice. But he just, like, he has this weird thing where, you know, the, these veteran guys who, you know, are great locker room guys. And, like, shout out to them for being great locker room guys if you need them. But he always feels this, like, weird need to, like, protect those guys who are good in the locker room and, like, give them ice time that they just like don't deserve on the ice. So I don't think that Haxtell is a great coach that way. Um, but I mean, I, I can't take anything away from him with the way that he is able to, you know, at least help around. I, I still think that it's more guys like Drew and Voracek and Simmons really getting everyone's shit together. Um, but I mean, obviously Haxtell isn't bad enough to where it completely blew up. I can't wait to watch Rako Gudis kill somebody on national TV in the playoffs. It's going to be, a, a great, great look for Philly and for the NHL. Do you think first round? You think he gets suspended in the playoffs this year, like first round, or do you think he plays a clean playoff? Dude, it's like when it's like when Bears wake up and like they're still kind of like sleepy and shit, but then they become alert and that like they just woke up from hibernating and they're like ready to just strike. That's Racco Gudis game one of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Yeah. Racco Gudis should have retired when he turned uh, Jeff Skinner inside out the other night. He should have retired. Just like, hang him up on that. That, that was pitiful. That was the peak. Like I, I was floored. I know it's Jeff Skinner who's like a forward, like a playmaker. Figure skater. Just, like just dropping that move so casually. That was great. Yeah, dude. I Gudis is. I mean, he's he's just I, he's an animal in the sense that he's just way too like stupid to like figure out like where that line is to where he can't cross. Um, you know, I I really don't think that there's anything malicious in his game. I just think that he's too dumb to figure it out. Also, another thing, dude, the guy's like, he's like 25 years old. <laughs> like, he, like you, you said, like, he should have, like, retired. And, like, in my head, I'm like, yeah, dude, like, he should, like, retire anyway. Like, how old is this fucker? But he's, like, 25 years old. So he's, like, I don't know, man. Everything about that guy is just... The, the best The best thing he did this year is when he, like, killed Kyle Palmieri when he, like, jumped in the air and just, like, attacked him and then somehow didn't get suspended for it. And they're like, oh, yeah, like, that was just a collision, whatever. Like, okay, it may have been a collision, but how many times when, when an NHL player is about to, like, collide with somebody, they jump as high as they can? Yeah, I mean, he's he's just a big, dumb idiot. And I love uh, him, though. If he was on my I, team, he'd be one of my favorite players. Dude, I, I, I have no problem ever defending Radko Gudis just because I don't think that there's, like, a ton. Like, there there have been guys on this team, you know, like Ronaldo or, or Steve Downey, who, you know, they, they do some, like, shit, and it's like, like yeah, like, they they're deserve scumbag. to get suspended, like, every single minute that they're suspended. I mean, they're scumbags. Yeah. 
I don't think that that's the case with Gudis. I just think that he's kind of too dumb. So, I mean, sometimes you have to, you know, this the same way you got to like, you know, you got you got to make a dog smell his own piss. You know, like sometimes you need to suspend Gudis, even though, you know, he, he didn't necessarily mean to do it. He's just too dumb to figure it out. So Gudis is essentially like Lenny from Mice and Men. <laughs> that's a great yeah Nailed it. he's he's, he's gonna tend the rabbits and live off the fat of land <laughs> all right so that was uh that was nhl in the news um now we're gonna move on to our twitter questions drake sing it yeah trigger fingers turn to twitter fingers thank you drake uh all right so we got three questions for you jordy and for us uh patty b wants to know in the nhl what's one rule you want gone and one rule brought back for next season um, I'll do it. One rule I want gone is I any sort of challenge. I think it's so fucking dumb. I'm so sick and tired of it. Goalie interference, offsides. Bring it back to when it was just the refs fucking up and we didn't know about it. Uh, one rule you bring back. Oh, yeah, I talked about this with Hal before it started. I don't know if this was ever a rule, so maybe it's not a rule you bring back. But get rid of the shootout and just make it three-on-three continuous overtime until somebody scores. There you go. What do you guys yeah. have? Uh, so the one rule that I want gone is, uh, and, and maybe I would just like this better for like beer league if it, you know, not even just like NHL, but let's just like back is, is overrated. Like, let's just let a few guys hang back there. I think it'll really speed up the game. It'll bring more offense into it. Let's just get rid of offsides. It confuses the shit out of like like people who like aren't actual hockey fans anyway. So like, not only will it make for, you know, more offensive game, but it's also going to be great for like actual hockey fans who like then have to like, they like bring their friends over who don't watch hockey. And like, we won't have to explain what offsides is anymore. Cause that's like a fucking, it's such a mess. Like trying to describe that to people who like don't know the game. So let's just scrap, uh, scrap offsides. One rule that I want to get brought back. Let's let guys go out there without buckets anymore. Ooh. Um, I, I think that there's a ton of great hair in the NHL. Um, and, and those guys, you know, like having great hair, it's not like, it's not something that just comes easy. Like these guys like maintain that hair. They do what they can to, to make sure that it's nice and, you know, it's flowing in the wind there. The fact that they have to cover that up with the helmet sometimes is a travesty. So let's, uh, you know, do, do I want like, do I want like, uh, like Ryan gets out there with his big, dumb, bald head flying around without a bucket on like no like cover that shit up but if you have the hair to to rock it like let's let's let those guys get out there with no no bucket at the very least let's make sure the guys can go uh no bucket during warm-ups again i like that i think that brings back the narrative of gary bettman saying that like hits to the head has nothing to do with concussions and if he really believes that take away helmets i like that how what what are your rules yeah, it's the uh, it's the old saying, right? That rugby's safer than football because they don't wear helmets, so there's no headshots or some shit like that. I like that logic. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think if there's one rule I would change, I think you touched on it, Ken. It'd be just the goalie interference challenge. Like, I'm pretty sick of that. I can live with some of the other challenges. I actually like the whole you lose a timeout on the offsides challenge because that one was driving me nuts last year. But I, I think goalie interference is something that it should be up to the refs. Like. Uh, for the most part, they're the best in the world. Like we shit on them, but they are the best at what they do. There are a few guys that probably gave a couple of hand jobs at like a USA Hockey refing jamboree to get where they are. But like outside of those guys, like it's the cream of the crop. And like I think sometimes just like being in the moment and really seeing is this goalie really interfered with? Did it really did it really affect his play? I think that's kind of the main factor. So if the refs want to look at it, fine. But I don't think coaches should be making that call. 
Uh, I couldn't come up with something to bring back, but one thing that I remembered, and I just want to touch on this rule, is that two the two-line pass, like, that was a thing. Like, what the fuck was the point of the two-line pass rule? Like, I, I literally, like, looking back on how stupid it was, like, you'd make a sick pass on the breakout, and then the refs would blow it dead because you, like, because he was past the red line or some shit. Like, that was a thing. Like, what What did that do for the game of hockey? I think and, the- and you know what? Like, with what Jordy said with offsides, maybe someday we'll be looking back at, like, the same exact thing. Like, what did offsides do for hockey? Because the two-line pass rule, people were pissed when that left. That brought nothing to the game. I think that my favorite thing about the two-line pass rule is if you ask any historian about the two-line pass rule, they get all sort of, like, pissed off. Like, oh, I love the two-line pass. And then when you ask them why, they don't have any answer. One of my favorite pastimes was, like, you, you play, like, NHL 2002. You got Lemieux on the cover, and the first thing you do every single game, turn off two-line pass, turn off, like, yeah. that, that's the first thing that always goes in every single game. Turn that shit right off. Uh, probably take off penalties, offsides, and icing as well, and just make and it a just battle right yourself out. a day. But, but <laughs> two-line pass was always the first thing to come off. Those are good rules. Um Scotty wants to know what are the chances the Stars make it more than the first round of the playoffs. I think pretty good, dude. I like the Stars. I like what they've done. Ben Bishop's been pretty good for them. Radulov's been killing it. Uh, Jamie, Ben, Tyler Sagan. You never really have to worry about those guys. Those guys are going to bring it every night. You have Roussel mixing it up like the little rat that he is. I've always, I've always liked the Stars. I like their jerseys. I think that's kind of one of the reasons why I like the Stars. But I think they have a pretty good shot. I think this year this is the best team they've had in a really long time. So. I can see them making pass first round unless they play like some like powerhouse team. Then I don't know. What do you guys got on that? Uh, I just I think that their best chance to make it past the first round is if somehow they manage to find themselves. I guess they would have to be in that that first wild card spot, I guess, to so that they'd be playing against Vegas. So if they could find themselves in that Pacific. Uh, playoff bracket, I, I think that that would give them their best chance. Like a, a guy like Radulov, I love watching him play. Um, you know, and and you need someone with that offensive talent to just snipe whenever in the playoffs. Like you're gonna need goals in the playoffs. But if if they're stuck in that, you know, in the way, so if they have to go up against, you know, if they stay where at the, where they're at right now, they play against Winnipeg, and you know, we, we you guys mentioned it before earlier in the podcast, like Hellbuck's been playing out of his mind this year. Um, you know, and then if they drop to that second wild card spot and then they have to play against Nashville, you know, then, then you have to go up against Rene. So, I mean, I think that those are two goalies where that can kind of shut down a guy like Radulov and, and not have a, not give him as much of a, you know, kind of an advantage that he would give to a team like Dallas. So, you know, if you can go in there and, you know, hopefully find Marc-Andre Fleury kind of reverting back to his, you know, kind of. Uh, you know, can't save a beach ball ways that he was later in his career in Pittsburgh. Like maybe you can, you know, kind of light him up a little bit. Uh, but if if they're at where they're at right now, like I don't see them getting past Winnipeg in the first round. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. I think they're in probably it might be the best division in hockey. Uh, I don't see them beating either of those two teams, and I think that matchup too with Vegas. I think that works pretty well. I mean, Vegas is fast; they skate. I mean, Dallas can match out those forwards that you just mentioned. I mean, Radulov, Sagan, Ben, I mean, right there, that's a lot of firepower for uh, Vegas to kind of handle. I know Vegas has had an unbelievable season. I'm done hating on it, but I would love to see them get swept in the first round. Just kind of, just because, fuck, 
this doesn't even make sense. But I just feel like you would validate myself as a hockey fan. Like, I'm having a really hard time coming to terms with the fact that this team that was put together with cast-offs is doing so well. And it's kind of upsetting me to a certain extent that they are still succeeding. Like, it, I don't know why. It kind of hurts my feelings. I make, I just feel like it makes the league look, like, so confusing. Like, you're sitting here hoping your team can rebuild and this and that. And then this GM comes in in one year, and he does this Vegas expansion draft, and everyone was shitting on it. And they're, like, sitting right here in the playoffs. So, I mean, I would love to see the Stars beat Vegas in the first round. Plus a desert series. I think that would be fun. I think Tyler Sagan being able to go out after, like, scoring a game-winning goal in, like, game five in Vegas and, like, having a nice night out, I think that would be a good story for everybody. All right. So one yes, two no's. Uh, and then the last question we have, this is from our boy Seth, who's a big Coyotes fan. He's, he wanted to know, do we have any brand preference for gear? If so, why? Uh, for the last year, I've been tweeting and emailing Warrior to become a Warrior VIP because I don't want to pay for sticks anymore. So, Warrior, if you're listening to this, I'm a big Warrior guy. I, will, I love everything you do, your, your gloves, your sticks, your helmets. I love Warrior. I don't use anything other than Warrior. So, hashtag Warrior VIP. I like Warrior shit. Oh, look at this. I like this. Yeah, so so obviously we're uh, we're on a podcast right now, so people can't really see what I'm doing. But uh, I, I, I am a warrior guy myself. Got the uh, got the covert QRL gloves here. We got uh, we got the alpha the alpha with the with the Twitter handle on the uh, right on the Twitter there. So I mean Warrior they they've been uh, they've been pretty good to me over you know the last year or so. But uh, it's so I mean, obviously, shout out Warrior. Uh, hook up the the morning skate guys with a nice little sponsorship; Ooh. they will do well. However, with that being said, when it comes to helmets, I am a strict uh, forty Bauer forty five hundred until I die that. kind of guy. Yeah, I mean that's what I wear too. But I'm re- I really want free sticks. So, but still, Warrior. How? What about you? Yeah. So I don't know if I have a favorite preference. I mean. Uh, Give me uh, give me a solid wooden Montreal stick any day of the week for street hockey. But if I'm talking just like hockey, the one thing I do want to touch on, and I think it happened probably like five or six years ago, I think CCM sneakily had like such a great comeback. Like growing up, I always thought if you weren't wearing like Bauer or Warrior, like I thought you were an idiot. Like I always thought CCM, like they had some gross helmets back in the day. And I, and I actually think like when I look at college hockey now, a lot of teams rock like the CCM setup because they're sponsored by them. I don't mind it. I, I actually, I actually kind of like the way CCM's gone. Uh, I was always a Bauer guy with helmets, Warrior with stick, but I think CCM has had a nice little comeback. You can't sleep on them anymore. Yeah, and a uh, quick shout out to Mark Messier who had a good run with those Cascade helmets. It didn't end up panning out for you, but it was a good effort. And you know, maybe next time. So. Uh, those were our Twitter questions for the week. Now we're going to move on to Dom Moore's Heroes and Zeros. Hey fans, this is Dominic Moore. I'm just going to take you guys through a little bit of the behind-the-scenes stuff here. Thank you, Dom. All right, Heroes and Zeros time. We do this segment every week, one hero, one zero of your week. Uh, I'm going to start it off. My hero of the week is Jamie Benn. Uh, the other day he scored an overtime winner, and uh, he skates over and he just breaks a stick over his knee. And I, I'm pretty sure did that. I think it clinched the playoff spot for them as well. Um, maybe not, but I think it did. What? Yeah, I don't know. Somebody tweeted that out. Maybe that was incorrect, but uh, I just thought that was sick by, like, a captain just, like, breaking a stick like it was nothing. Like, it would take me probably, I'd say, a solid week to try and break a stick over my knee, and and I would probably injure myself before I would, I would ever even break it. So I thought that was kind of sick, and then him just, like, bullying Petrangelo on the ice, just, like, 
giving him a face wash. Like, he's a captain of an NHL team. That's a rough look, dude. Like, you're supposed to be a leader, and you're getting a wet willy from Jamie Benn. It's not not a good look. So, Jamie Benn, hero of the week. He's, he's a fucking – he's a leader. I wish he was on my team. So, Jamie Benn, good for you. Uh, yeah, so I have, uh, I, I have a, a few here, so my, uh, let's, let's go, I'll go zeros of the week first, um, and that's going to be, uh, Zdeno Chara and, uh, Jamie Oleksiak, too, I mean, what, what are they, they're like six foot nine, six foot seven, they're both a couple of ogres, they dropped the gloves the other night, and I'm thinking to myself, like, here we go. Like, this is a mutant fight that's about to go down right now between two giants. This is going to be a heavyweight match that we have never seen anything of the likes. And it ended with those two basically like hugging. So I, I, I know that neither of them are guys that necessarily drop the gloves that often just because they're so big that, like, no one ever wants to actually fight them. But, you know, you get, like, 6-7 versus 6-9, and you don't, like, and it doesn't end. Like that that's one that the ref shouldn't jump in. That should end with someone dying. Two men enter, <laughs> one man leave that fight. Um and then my uh my heroes of the week pretty much all the boys in Minnesota who will be uh playing for the Minnesota State High School hockey tournament coming up. I guess that's next weekend. Um so Unreal Tournament up there in Minnesota every single year. Uh, I mean, the boys always get the sellies flying around. It's, it's a, it seems like a great environment. It's on my bucket list of things to get to at some point in my life. Uh, so if you guys did a video shows. there, that would fucking. Do you have any idea how many views you would get on that? Oh yeah, it'd, it'd be it'd be number one. A hundred percent. Everybody in the hockey world would watch that. Like you guys just fucking with a bunch of high school kids that have like sit, like maybe even like cut hair, <laughs> like like have like a little booth and be like, okay, we're gonna style your hair for like the hair series, and then just start shaving weird shit in people's heads. Like that'd be a plus. Great turn. I got. I gotta defend my boy Char right here, though. <laughs> here we go. <laughs> because he was crushing me on the inside while you're saying this. Because I watched that fight in real time, and like, and I had a few beers in me, and at the end of the fight, like, I was pretty upset with it. Like, I was like, Jesus! Like, Char literally just went in for the hug, and you can tell like he needed a nap. He is 40 years old, and it was after it was after a two minute shift. So I'm gonna give him a little bit of slack. He just killed the penalty. Ah, but at the same time, like, if you're Zidane Char, like, I feel like just don't take that fight, like, if you're that tired. Like, it was kind of a rough look. I'll give you that. But at the same time, like, I'm going to cut him some slack. Fuck. Yeah, that was tough to hear because, like, I, I feel like as a Bruins fan, Chara has, like, this reputation of, like, the number one guy that you don't want to fight in the league. Chara, like, hasn't had a good fight in, like, four years. Like, it's kind of a false narrative. I don't want. I'm not ready to like admit it yet, even though I just did. But fuck yeah, that that was kind of a disappointing one. I mean, when you got like a six foot seven, a six foot nine guy, you want to see blows. You want someone to die. Uh, I, I guess my hero of the week. I guess it's come out. It hasn't come out. Basically, somebody uh, on Reddit is kind of outing Eric Carlson for packing snooze in games, and it's becoming a little bit of a story. Uh, he was doing it in the Easter Conference Finals last year. I guess he's been packing snooze since he was 12 years old. A little bit of a weird move. It's kind of like the breath mint of uh, tobacco, but at the same time, he is Swedish, and I think they like are born with a snooze in their mouth. It's crazy, man, because like as someone who plays beer like hockey, like I pack a lip and like warm up sometimes, and I feel pretty good. But like once that first shift comes, like I, 10 seconds in, I'm like, why is this in my mouth? And I'm throwing it over the boards. 
So, I mean, the fact that this dude's out there in the Eastern Conference Finals getting a buzz on is kind of a ridiculous move. Agree or disagree? <laughs> Big time. The fact that Carlson's jonesing so much for a lip in the Eastern <laughs> Conference Finals, he has a fucking snooze top cheese. Like, this guy's awesome. Everything that led up to this, the $350 Uber ride, dude, like, the the fan, like, fucking screaming at the Senators, him following this, and then the fact that he has a lip in at all times, this is why he's a, an elite franchise player is because of those three things. I love him. That's a, that's a that's the best hero of the week I think we've had. Do you think do you think he uh cuz we were talking about how like how do you spend $350 on an Uber? Do you think he was just riding around town trying to find a gas station still open that could sell him snooze? Could he be. was just fucking Jones. He's like I got a big game tomorrow. <laughs> I mean, crazy move by Eric Carlson. Uh zero of the week, I'll just kind of rattle it right off is Gary Bettman found this quote online. Uh basically it came out that when Gary Bettman in 1992, he worked for the NBA on like his little uh, step box, whatever the fuck you want to call it, and was talking about how the NBA going to the Olympics was the best thing for the sport and how much it changed the game uh, and how the NHL should do it too. Flash, flash forward, Jesus Christ, I say that right? I got like the Sunday sweats going right now. This is about to one for me. I'm sweating so hard and it's like 60 degrees in my apartment. Makes no sense. But basically... He says that it would be great for the NHL to go to the Olympics, and then, like, 20-something years later, he pulls him out. So, I don't want to keep making this a story, but it's just pissing me off at this point. Ultimate villain move by Gary Bettman, man. He's such a little fucking rat. That's the thing. I think it shows that Gary Bettman is actually, like, smart, and obviously he's smart because he got this job, but he's just an asshole. <laughs> like, I, I, like it, it's pretty clear, like, you got to spend money to make money. I understand takes a lot of money out of the NHL pockets to, like, bring guys to the Olympics, but, like, you gotta, like, look long-term, like, for once. Fuck, I don't know. Um, agree with that. And then, uh, I'm just gonna round off my zero really quick. Uh, the Rangers over the last three games have faced 135 shots, and last night before the game, they asked Lindy Ruff what he thought about his defense, and he said he really liked the way they were playing. So, my zero of the week <laughs> is, is to Lindy Ruff after the Rangers let up 135 shots in the last three games and Lindy Ruff is like no we're staying pat that was great um so that that was heroes and zeros for the week and now we're just going to move quickly on to our last segment three stars all right Jim and Mike thanks very kindly a nice weekend for you as always our three star selectors are stars of the hockey scene wherever we go on Rogers hometown hockey. no comment for that no fuck that uh three stars of the week uh we're gonna do the three most memorable deadline deals I came up with this, and I was like, this is a great idea. We had the deadline, and believe it or not, it was pretty hard to find some fucking good trades that have happened throughout the course of the NHL history, but we were able to do it. So my third star goes to Ulf uh, Samuelson, Ron Francis, and Grant Jennings to Pittsburgh for John Colin, Jeff Parker, and Zarly Zalapsky. Uh I mean, Ulf Samuelson was a great player. Ron Francis, I mean, enough said. That was a huge deal for Pittsburgh. They ended up winning two cups from that. I think deadline, as deadline goes, that was a pretty good deal. So my third star was that. Uh, yeah, so my uh, my three stars of the week, uh, or three most, yeah, three most memorable deadline deals, it's actually all one guy. Third, um, second, and, and shout first. Out, what's that? Third, second, and first star all in one. I like that. Yeah, so it is all Thomas Vanek. Uh, so so let's just uh, let, let me bring this up real quick, just so I can get the year straight on here. Uh, so we've got in uh, in 2014, 
Thomas Vanek was a deadline deal from the New York Islanders to the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, so that's that's 14. And we uh, we fast forward a couple years here. We're now in March of 2017. I don't know if this was exactly a deadline deal or not. I think it was a deadline day deal. Uh, so it's, it's March 1st, 2017. Thomas Vanek then moves from the Detroit Red Wings to the Florida Panthers. Um, and then obviously, uh, j- just this, uh, just this past deadline, he, uh, he got dealt from, from Vancouver to Columbus. So Thomas Vanek, uh, buddy has to have a suitcase packed at all time when the trade deadline rolls around because he knows that he's probably getting dished off somewhere. So shout out to Thomas Vanek for being a deadline day hero. <laughs> That's literally six different here. jerseys. Every year Thomas Vanek's name's like brought up. It's fuck. It's ridiculous. Like to think about it too. Like, I was trying to think, Thomas Vanek in his prime, was he, like, that sick? Was Thomas Vanek ever, like, elite? I think for the Sabres, he was a pretty good player, wasn't he? Yeah, he probably... I think he wore the C for them, right? No, I'm not really sure. I think Thomas Vanek was an NHL captain. (laughs) Like, but nobody can say anything. Nobody has any idea. Like, it's just... I don't know. It's funny, and I think it's funny, too, how Tortorello's embracing that everyone thinks him and Vanek are going to hate each other. I mean, fuck. It's eventually you got to think it's got to work out. I mean, statistically speaking, if you keep trading for Thomas Vanek every trade deadline, eventually he's going to win a cup. Like it's got to happen. So, I mean, maybe he's looking forward to it. Maybe he enjoys his change of scenery. But yeah, he is a hero. Quick, um, up, quick update on Vanek. Him and Steve Ott were captains for the Buffalo Sabers, and on every single one of those deals with teams trying to win Stanley Cups, Thomas Vanek has never won a Stanley Cup. <laughs> Uh, Rough luck. Uh, fucking Vanek. Uh, I'll, I'll crush through mine. Uh, my third one is Jerome McGinla getting traded to the Penguins. Uh, that was a pretty big deal back in the day. They gave up like a first and a couple prospects. It was a big deal as a Bruins fan because the night before I went to bed and I thought that Jerome McGinla was going to be a Boston Bruin. And then he decided, he like texted Sidney Crosby. He's like, I want to play with you instead. Canceled the trade, ended up in Pittsburgh. Bruins beat the Penguins in the second round. Went on to lose in the cup final, but, like, ipso facto, if Jerome McGinnell wasn't such an idiot, he'd probably have a Stanley Cup because I think the Bruins would have had a much better chance against the Blackhawks in that series if he was there. So I don't really feel bad for the guy. I just thought it was interesting with the drama. Uh, number two, number two, Alex Burrows for Jonathan Dolan. I mean, that's just going back to – we talked about this last week, too. Just going back to the Ottawa shit show. I mean, they traded for him last year and signed him to a two-year extension. That guy sucks. I, I hate him more than any player in the NHL. He is the absolute worst. I was happy to see him get suspended. Uh, I mean, just Ottawa doing Ottawa things. So, And number one, this is like my favorite call-out of all time, trade deadline. Whenever someone asks me what's worth the first-round pick, I say Paul Gostad was once traded for a pick <laughs> at the trade deadline. Paul Ga- Gostad, first-round pick, Nashville to Buffalo. Uh, if you read Paul Costad's Wikipedia, it says he plays with a lot of heart, so he was totally worth that. <laughs> that I, I love that. Put, you can't put a price on heart. You can't. You can't. You can't. You, there's no value, you know? You just got to run with it. So, I mean, fuck. Whenever you think about, like, so when I'm looking at, like, this Rick Nash return, that was, like, my first thought. I was like, you know what? Paul Costad got a first-round pick, so we'll live with it. I, I, yeah. That that one's always good, and Zach Ronaldo getting a third-round pick's always good. Um. I'll, I'll rattle off my, my last two. Uh, Tony Amani to Chicago for Stefan Mateau and Brian Noonan ended up winning the Rangers a cup. That was a big deal. And kind of weird because, like, Tony Amani had, like, a hell of a fucking career. And, I mean, the Rangers won a cup, so I think Rangers ultimately won that one. 
And then the last one, uh, Marty St. Louis for Ryan Callahan. I met Ryan Callahan a couple times. My ex-girlfriend lived three houses down from him, and that guy was a fucking dweeb, dude. Like, I would try to talk to him, and he would just answer every question I had. Like, I was interviewing him on MSG. And I was like, dude, can you, like, just act like a normal person and, like, not, like, like a fucking squid? So, never a big fan of Cali. I, Marty St. Louis was awesome. The fact that he scored that goal, like, a couple days after his mom died and all that shit happened. I've always been a big Marty St. Louis guy. Larry Brooks just came out with a thing, said he'd be surprised if Marty St. Louis wasn't our assistant coach next year, which I think would be awesome. So those are my three stars. Uh, pretty long podcast, but it went really well. Jordy, before you go, uh, I, I do have to ask you this one question. So we we have this friend back in Saratoga. His name's uh, Connor Hutchinson, and he's a huge lacrosse guy. He loves what you're doing with the uh, with the lacrosse podcast that you have going on. And he found out that you were coming on, and uh, he sent me some very uh, motivating text messages. Just really wanted to ask you this question. So he said, I just want to ask what he thinks Albany's flaw is because everyone only talks about what they're good at and a Final Four prediction for, for the cross. So if you answer this question, Hutch will be the happiest kid ever. You Albany, number one in the nation. Yeah, it's first time ever. Uh, I, I'd say the, the biggest issue that Albany has, and it, and it kind of showed a little bit uh, today, they, they squeaked by Cornell today, recording on a Sunday, so I don't know what time, what day this podcast gets out, so it might not be like today when you're listening to it. Uh, but so defensively, they're, they're still, um, you know, I, I still don't think that they have what it takes to really, you know, they shut down Cuse, uh, but they still have, you know, some tendencies to, you know, I guess – lower their, their game when they're playing lower competition. And now when you're number one in the nation, every team's going to be lower than you. So you, you got to just kind of figure out a way to play big dick defense, you know, every single game for four straight quarters. Uh, final four prediction. Uh, I'm trying to think about what I said earlier in the beginning of the year. I think I went with, obviously I have Albany in there. I've been a huge, uh, huge I think I've been the conductor of the Dane train for a few <laughs> years now. So I've got Albany in there. I've got Denver in there. I've got Duke in there. Uh, and then I forget who my fourth team is, but they've been in there the last four years, so I think i got to put them in there for five straight years, and we'll go with the Maryland Terps. So uh, not not a ton of uh, you know huge risks I'm taking there with that Final Four prediction. I think they're all teams that people are kind of expecting to be in there. But I'm in the uh, – you know, we'll see. Memorial Day weekend will roll around, and let's just forget that I ever said any of that. If none of those teams make it, and we'll, uh, we'll change the narrative on that one. Fair I got, I got to ask you. So, the U Albany blog that you write with their uh, their profile, their pictures for the year coming up is like an all time blog. Like it's an annual. Everyone looks out for it. Absolute classic. Do you think? I mean, they seem awesome. Do you think they're ever? Do you think they're becoming self aware at all, or do you think they just love? I mean, like it seems. So innocent, like you would think in a situation like that that they're like, trying to like one up each other, but they just like the styles they pick for their hair. Like you were talking a lot about hair earlier, like they fit so well. Like those pictures are so well put together and like so thoughtful. Like the characters they create for themselves, like it's so innocent to me. Like what are your thoughts on that? That whole like I don't know, like squads. So, so we brought on uh, onto on my lacrosse podcast, the Crease Dive. We brought on the Hogan Anacoke. So, if anyone here, if anyone listening is a lacrosse fan, obviously you know the name. He's a freshman phenom playing for Albany. Uh, we talked to him about the the roster pick headshots. 
Um, it, it was a little disheartening to hear him say that he walked in there and like saw people like getting themselves ready for the pictures. Like in my head, it's just like those guys just like rolled out of bed looking yeah. that way and then just like got their pictures taken. So, I mean, I, they do put a little bit of effort into it. Last year, the boys, they, they played against Drexel. So I live in Philly and they were playing at Drexel. So I was able to make it out to that game. Uh, and just seeing some of the guys there, like during the game, like you could put on a laser pick headshots. They're still just a bunch of like wild individuals at heart. So like, it is a little bit of it for show, sure. But like, is that like savage just mentality and overall general demeanor there at like to their for sure? And I think that that's a reason why a lot of them ended up playing for the same team because they uh, they are they're ridiculous humans. Like they're. <laughs> I, that's the only way to explain them is they're absolutely ridiculous. I feel like they don't dress up anymore for those pictures than they would like going out on a Saturday night. Like I feel like they probably do the same thing. Like, all right, I got to make sure my hair looks ridiculous so I can go out and talk to some like, lacrosse girls and see what I can do here. Yeah. I think that they just, you know, look like animals, gas beers, have a good time. And this year win lacrosse games. So it's, it's not a bad way to spend your four years in college. I'll say that. <laughs> Go Danes. Go Danes. Yeah, Jordy, if you're ever up in Albany, we, I live probably like 45 minutes. Let me know. I'll come down and watch a fucking Dane train game with you. Um, but thanks for coming on. If you guys don't follow Jordy, go at Barstool Jordy. Check him out. He's on Spin Chicklets every once in a while. He, What's the podcast called? The Crease Dive? Yep. Yep, be sure to check that out whenever you guys get a chance. Thanks for coming on again, man. And if the Flyers start making some sort of noise in the playoffs, we'll have to have you come back on. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right, see you, buddy. Later on. Staring at two different views on your window ledge. Coffee is gone cold, it's like time Baby